We're going to be in Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, you need everybody to get an index card. You should have also a handout where you can keep up on the notes with me on a challenge to give. So that's where we're going to be, Malachi chapter 3. And I want everyone to have an index card, and we'll use that toward the end of the service. So don't uh, doodle on it. Don't make a paper airplane out of it and throw it up here at me or anything like that. But uh, we're going to talk about a challenge to give. And God is faithful. One of the great things I get to do is to go around to all the churches and our Stone Mountain Association of Churches and have the opportunity of seeing how faithful God really is. This time last year, I was doing this very same thing at Solid Rock Baptist Church in Covington. And some of you may be familiar with Solid Rock Church. It's pastored by Mike Franklin. Mike Franklin actually used to be the pastor at Bethlehem Church before Bethlehem made its move out to... um, where it's at now, before Mike was on staff there at Bethlehem and all those kind of good things. And, um, pardon me? Oh, one I had my notes on it. Thank you. Yeah, I need to keep that one. Appreciate that. Um, And so basically, um, and so they're in a building program and they were trying to add more educational space to their building and they were raising money so they would not have long-term debt and God's really blessed them, and just share with you how God's using this process in a great and a mighty way. It just was remarkable to me. Mike called me, he said, hey, I want you to come see the building. So we're 95% complete. We're about to put our finishing touches and call for the CO so we can occupy the building, and you will not stop believe it. So the place looks nice. They're about to start a kindergarten there in Covington. And uh, we're excited about what God's doing in our building program. And uh, so I went down and looked at it, and I said to the secretary there, I said, hey, just give me an idea of how you're coming along with your fundraising, the capital campaign, because they're in a three-year process, just like you're about to enter into it. And I said, how are you coming towards your goals? Folks, I was amazed. They're only one year into their campaign, and they already have received half of their goal. Halfway there. And God has already blessed them that people have been faithful and given half the money. They already received almost half million dollars already that God's already brought into their fellowship to be able to pay off the money, uh, pay off the debt. And so they haven't even borrowed any money. They've been able to build that money, that building with the money that's already come in so they haven't even incurred any debt whatsoever. So I hope that you'll be praying about what God would have you to do and what God you're going to believe God for. Did you guys get one of these as you came in? Did you see these on the table in the front? Thank you. Somebody raised one up. Yes, you did. Okay. Uh, Kayla did an awesome job with these. And uh, this kind of give you an idea of what uh, your church is going to be doing during the Believe campaign. And I hope you'll notice on the back, Kelly did a great job also with a, uh, a uh, giving way that you can figure out how much God would have you to give. So I hope you'll take that and you'll look at it and go to the site and be praying about God, what God would have you to do. So I want to share with you this morning on a challenge to give. Um, the story's told about a salesperson coming to somebody's home trying to sell a home freezer to a housewife. Have anybody had somebody try to sell something to them at their house? I have, and I'm sure you have too. 
And he said, you can save money on your food bills to pay for that freezer. And the lady said, the housewife said this, yes, I know, but you see, we're paying for our car on the gas money we're saving. We're paying on our washing machine on the laundry bills we're saving. And we're paying on our house on the rent we're saving. And we just can't afford to save any more right now. Anybody else feel that way? I can't afford to save any more money right now. And financial pressures in the world that we're living in today are very real. And the reality of it is, is everybody in America today are spending about a dollar and 19 cent out of every dollar that is earned. Did you hear that? And so if we're spending a dollar 19 cent out of every dollar that's earned, how are we doing that? This right here. These plastic pieces called credit cards. That means we're living about 19 cents above what we earn, and it's going on credit cards. And so there are three conversions, Martin Luther said, and it's the first slide and the first thing that's on your outline, that are necessary. Conversion of the heart, conversion of the mind, and a conversion of the pocketbook. And so the real goal that we've got this day and Generosity Day is basically for us to have a conversion of our heart, our mind, and our pocketbook and have revival to take place in our lives. If God has your heart, God's got your pocketbook too. Did you realize that? If God doesn't have your heart, he doesn't have any part of you anyhow. And the reality is God wants all of our lives to be committed to him. I love the song, and Mike tells, tells me that you wrote that song, Caleb. And that's awesome. It was a tremendous song that we just sang about being generous toward God. And experience tells us that conversion of the heart is the most difficult of all three of those. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, and I said it a few moments ago in the earlier session, no man can serve two masters. Either he's going to hate one and love the other. You cannot serve God and money. So I've, off, I've come to you this morning to offer you a challenge, and the challenge is right out of Scripture, and, you, and it's about God's plan for giving that's coming out of Scripture. And it basically... God's plan for giving has two parts to it. One of them is the required giving, and the required giving, and that's the first blank on the outline there, the required giving is the tithe, and then the other is voluntary sacrificial giving. Now, the very last session that I'm going to do this today is going to be on the voluntary sacrificial giving, which is called an offering. That kind of offering and offerings can only be given after we've given a tithe. Now, a lot of times when we take up money in church, we'll say we're going to give our tithes and our offerings, and that's correct because some people are understanding that they're giving their tithe and they're giving an offering above a tithe. But the reality of it is, until you give a tithe, you can't give an offering. So a tithe comes first, and before you give an offering... You cannot give an offering until you've given a tithe. Now, the Bible tells very clearly how much a tithe is supposed to be, but it doesn't tell us how much an offering is going to be. And an offering is given by different names. It's called a free will offering, a contribution, grace giving. It's called by different names all throughout the Scripture. And being a giver is important for the spiritual growth of a child of God. And there's two terms in the Bible that usually should be synonymous, lordship and stewardship. 
Lordship and stewardship. That's the next blank on the outline. One can't be a giver and not be spirit-filled. However, the one cannot be spirit-filled and not be a giver. You can't tell me I'm living a spirit-filled life and not be a giving person. If you're living the spirit-filled, godly life that God wants you to live, you're going to be a giving person. You can't do it without being a giving person. And the Bible tells us that God is a God of love, justice, and holiness. And yes, a major characteristic of God is God is love. And God is always the greatest giver of all. And if we're going to be godly, then the first thing we've got to realize is we've got to become a giver, and we've got to be giver to God. So I want to take away from your memory any bad experiences, because a lot of people have had bad experiences when it comes to giving. Uh, we've had preachers that have misused the Bible about giving. There are some preachers that teach health and wealth. You, you give God this, and he's going to give you a blessing. God doesn't work that way. First of all, God's not obligated to give us anything. You know, it's not like we've got any angle on God, and God's not obligated to us. We're obligated to God, but God doesn't have any obligation to us to give us anything. God wants to give good gifts to his children, just like if you and I have children or grandchildren, which many of us do, we want to give them good gifts. But God doesn't have any obligation to give us anything, because if we got what we deserved, we'd be in hell, wouldn't we? Because of our sins. But the reality of it is, some folks say, well, you know, I know where this is going. Somebody's going to put human pressure on me. Somebody's going to come to my house, and they're going to twist my arm, and they're going to put me on the spot about how much am I going to give to the church. I assure you, we're not going to do that. Nobody's going to ask you for anything. Certainly not me, not the pastor, nobody on the leadership team. Nobody's going to say, how much are you going to give? That's not even going to be a question over the weeks to come about how much you're going to give. The only pressure that's going to be placed upon you is when you listen to what God has to say to you from His Word, and the Holy Spirit starts to work in your life if you're a believer, and you realize that maybe, maybe, just maybe, you're not living your life by biblical principles, and you start trying to put your life in alignment with what God wants you to do. And by doing so, you realize, I've got to make some course corrections. I've got to fix some things. And then you start deciding what you're going to do. And that's where faith comes in. Because the Bible says we've got to walk by faith and not by sight. Last night, my wife and I had dinner together. And uh, I'm going on a mission trip, too. And y'all, Mike was talking about this person from your church on a mission trip. And my wife said, um, by the way, we hadn't talked about that mission trip. You hadn't even told me how much that thing cost. And I said, well, <clears throat> no, I haven't. I was hoping she was going to get to go with me, but her dad is going to have some major surgery. He's 87, so she's got a primary caregiver to him. So she had to drop out of the trip and go to one of our other churches and we're going to, to uh, Zambia in Africa. So we're flying 20 hours to South Africa, then driving to Zambia, and um, going to be teaching national pastors in the country of Zambia. Southern Baptists don't have missionaries in Zambia. And this pastor has established a, um, a uh, when he was pastor at another church in 
down at Lake Oak County, a, a children's home there and also a ministry there at Church, Church 213 in Covington, Pastor Stan Patterson. And I said, it's going to cost us, us $3,200. Whoa! Where's $3,200 going to come from? I said, I have no idea, but guess what happened today? I was out visiting my mother. My mother got sick. She's got bronchitis. And while my wife was working, I went to see my mom. Y'all always go see mama, right? Because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. I went to see mom. And I'm sitting out there at mom's house. And while I'm sitting there talking to her, I got a text on my cell phone. And uh, somebody that's out of the blue that heard about my mission trip said, how much you need for your mission trip? I said, well, I have received in gifts $950. And, um, well, how much is the trip? And I said, the trip is $3,200. Actually, it's, I left off a couple hundred. It's $34. And uh, they said, if you raise half of it, I'm going to give half of it. That's what I told my wife last night. I said, so I'm not worried about that trip because, as we sang a moment ago, God's a generous God. God, if we're faithful, God's going to be faithful to us. And I tell you that to tell you that you and I need to make alignment with our lives because God owns it all. We don't have to worry about it. It's all God's, as I said earlier. We just have to get in line with what God wants us to do. So we're going to walk through this passage of Scripture verse by verse. I want you to see five principles that this passage of Scripture teaches from the prophet Malachi. First of all, the prophet gives us a call to God's people. Return to me, in verse number 7, and I'm going to return to you. Since the days of your fathers, you have turned from my statues. You've not kept them. Return to me, I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you have asked, how can we return? That's verse number 7. So the context, next blank on the outline is, return to me. And then God's commitment is, and I will return to you. In other words, the people weren't following God's commandments. And God says, you've got to get back to my commandments, return to my statutes, my law, and I'm going to return to you. If you do the first step, I'll take a step back toward you. And note, this is usually referred to as a tithing passage. But the reality of it is, this passage of Scripture is not a tithing passage. The context of this passage is a revival passage. It's about repentance. It's actually a revival passage. Return to me, I'll return to you. And note, he says, I'll pour out my spirit on you and my fullness upon you. We'll get there in just a few minutes. The pouring out of God into our lives and his people is what revival is all about. That's why in the scripture in Isaiah 64, 1, this is what the Bible says. Oh, that you'd rend the heavens and come down. God wants to explode in our lives, and he only does that when we repent and we turn to him. In other words, you don't need more money and I don't need more money, what we need more of is God. And when we get more of God in our lives, then there's no telling what God can do at Gratis Church. And then when we can look and see that property be built with a building out there for God's glory, and people say, how did that small group of people do that? You can say, 
I don't know. God did that. We didn't do it. God did it. There's no way we could have done it. God did this. So genuine repentance will affect your checkbook. If Christians don't give, it's not because we need more money. It's because we need more of God in our lives. The second principle is there was a crime being committed against God. Now, you know, we know crimes get paid, uh, criminals get prosecuted today. Can you imagine the prosecution that's going to come against a person that commits a crime against God? And here's the crime against God, verses 7 and 8. The question was asked, how are we to return? Will the man rob God? And basically, he said, how do we return? In verse 8, will the man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. You ask, how do we rob you? The people asked, how do we return? They did not ask why, but how do we return? They weren't sure what they'd done to upset God, but Malachi gave them two answers. One was a very broad answer. Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? And then the other one was a second specific answer. You've robbed me in tithes and offerings. God said, you've held back what I've given to you, and you've not given it to me. You've not been a blessing. I blessed you, but you haven't returned to me what I blessed you with. Now, tithe means a tenth. Ten percent. God's people are to give a tenth of what? Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. It's on the outline there. says, a tithe of everything belongs to the Lord. It's holy to God. Now, earlier we said... A tithe of everything means, everything means what? Everything. So everything belongs to God. We established that in the earlier session. So if everything belongs to God, that means a tithe of everything belongs to God. So here's some T words that you might want to write down over an outline on the side that we need to give to God a tithe of everything and just kind of evaluate whether you're giving this to God. A tithe of your time needs to give, be given to God. If you were to add up the time that you give to God, would you say that 10% of your time is given to God? Tithe of your time, given to God. A tithe of your talents, your talents, the abilities that you have. And every one of us have talents. There's abilities that we have innate things that God's given us the ability to do. A tithe of your testimony. Now you might say, oh, yeah, you're starting meddling now, preacher. I don't know about that. Now, testimony is not something you've got to know a bunch of scripture about to do. Now, preacher told me a minute ago that if he were to get up here and tell y'all that Chevrolet trucks don't devalue when they walk, when we drive them off the lot, that we got a lot of Ford people in the room. We got Ford people in the room. I'm a Ford man too. I didn't tell the preacher that. Amen. All right, you know. But the reality of it is, um, those that drive Fords, does anybody have to tell you, you know, you're trying to talk to somebody about buying a truck, you're going to try to tell them about buying a Ford, right? Not you head this way, guys. Okay, come on. All right, you're going to try to talk to them about buying a Ford. If you're sold on a Chevrolet, Mike, you're going to try to tell them why they ought to buy a Chevrolet, right? 
So when you're telling them that, what are you telling them? You're telling them your testimony on those things. So a testimony for God's the same thing. You're telling them the testimony of how God's good to you and what God's done in your life. You don't have to know a lot of scripture to give a testimony. You just got to tell them what God's done for you. That's what a testimony's done. It's just like the reason you drive a Ford is because you like a Ford because of this, that, and the other. You like a Chevrolet because of this, that, and the other, or whatever you're driving. That's how the testimony is. It's telling them what God's done for you. So it says a tithe of your testimony and the tithe of your money or your tithe. So it says the tithe of everything before taxes, house payment. It's the first fruits principle. Honor the Lord with your first fruits of all your crops. Proverbs 3 9. Now I'm often asked, now, preacher, if I'm to tithe off the gross or am I to tithe off the net? And I often refer to it and I ask the question back. Do you want a gross blessing or do you want a net blessing? I'd rather have a gross blessing rather than a net blessing, wouldn't you? And the reality of it is, we're to tithe off of the gross. You might say, why do I need to tithe off the gross? Well, I don't even see all that money. Yes, you do. Those roads you rode on today were paid for by the government. Uh, you know, Uncle Sam paid for that, but you paid for it. And uh, the sewer that comes to your house, if you're on sewer lines, and all those other amenities that you have, you benefit from those. So we're to give a tithe off of your gross, not your net. And then it says a tithe is holy to the Lord. It's on the screen. Holy means it's set apart for God's use. It means it's not yours anyhow. So you don't even need to have to pray about whether or not you should tithe. Now, you know, I don't go home and pray about Brother Mike's money, how he's going to use it, how he and Angie are going to spend their money. Because it's not my money, it's Mike's money. And I'm sure he doesn't pray about my money and how I'm going to use it, and my wife and I are going to spend our money. Because it's our money. And the reality of it is, if a tithe belongs to God, then I don't need to pray about what I'm going to do with God's money. I just need to give it because it don't belong to me. And that's what Malachi was saying here. That money don't belong to you, so you better give it to God. If you don't, what are you done? You've robbed God of what belongs not to you, but belongs to God. Now, the question always gets asked, how much of an offering should be above a tithe? Well, nowhere in the Bible we're told the amount of an offering. There are some examples in Scripture, though. Building projects were always funded by offerings. The tabernacle in the wilderness, Solomon's temple, two remodeling projects of the temple were all done with offerings. And in the New Testament, an offering was taken up for the poor church in Jerusalem. All of it was done with offerings. It never said we're going to take up tithe and we're going to give tithe money to build a building. So what we don't want you to do is start saying, well, man, I'm so glad we're going to get our building and we don't have to break, up, break down and set up every Sunday. So I'm going to start taking the money I'm currently giving to the church and start giving it to the building fund. No, 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 no. Because if you do that, then what you've done is you've taken your tithe and 
which is always used for the ongoing work of the church, and you've given it to the building fund, which is not biblical. And the tithe always was used for the ongoing support of the ministry of the church, the tabernacle, the temple, and not for the building. Building funds were always used, projects, by offerings and supported by offerings. However, in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, it says, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by in store as God has prospered him. Has God prospered any of us? Well, sure he has. What's the first day of the week? Sunday. Okay. So how do you discover the amount? Ask God. The bottom line is God wants both a tithe and an offering. So hang on. Let me just say this to you. If you have not given a tithe to God, you're robbing God. If you're not giving above a tithe, guess what? You haven't given God anything yet. If only you've given God a tithe, and that's all you've been doing all these years, and you've never given an offering, you haven't given God anything that was yours yet. You okay out there? All you've been given is what was already God's. You haven't given God anything that wasn't yours. And so you need to consider, and prayerfully consider, giving an offering. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, in these words, Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not out of regret or out of necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver. God doesn't want you saying, i got to give. I sure hate giving. And put it in the offering plate. It should be a joy to give. Church at the Grove in Walnut Grove, the pastor there, they call their offering plates the joy bucket. Because it should be a joy to give to God because God's given so much to us. Here's the third principle, the curse of God on his people. The curse of God on his people. Could it be that financial struggles or getting in your way of what God wants to do because you're robbing God. Look at verse number 9. It says here, How do we rob you? By not making the payments of 10% of the contributions. You are suffering under curse, yet the whole nation, you're still robbing me. You're robbing me. You're under a curse, the whole nation, because you're robbing. What does a curse mean? Well, in the day, in that time, it meant there was a crop failure. It meant that they weren't being blessed. It was God's punishment. Today, it might be, could it be that you're not getting a raise at work? Or you're not getting a promotion because God's not allowing you to have that because you're not taking care of business that you've got now? And why would God give you any more money if you're not going to handle the money he's already given you correctly? Just saying. Well, why would God give you a better job and a better paying job if you're not going to take care of the money that God's already given you correctly? You ever thought about it that way? Because God wants to bless you And he may be saying, I'm not going to bless you until you take care of the things that you already have 
and you handle the money that I've given you correctly. Have you ever disciplined your children, and have you ever said these words? I remember growing up, my dad used to say this, son, this is going to hurt you a lot more than it hurts me. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. Did y'all ever hear that? I did. And hey, I didn't realize that until I became a parent, but it was really true. It did hurt me to discipline my daughters more than hurt them. They didn't think that. But one of the great blessings to me was the other week my daughter said, Dad, Lance has given me some fits. I need some help. Discipline. You know, some of those things you taught us, I need a refresher so I know how I can discipline Lance. And some of those things I thought wasn't getting through to Lance, to her, I was doing right because she's wanting to repeat them with Lance. You see, God wants his children to grow in grace. What is grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. So are you struggling financially? Listen to me. It might be because God's discipline is on you. Just a thought. And then God's command to his people. Bring the whole tithe, verse number 10. Bring the whole tithe. Bring the full 10% of the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me in this and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing to you without measure. This is the only place in the entire Bible where God says, you can test me. You can put me to the test. Check me out. If you don't believe I'll bless you, I'll bless you. And I'll, be, and, I'll be, and I'll show you that I'll bless you if you'll trust me in this. The only place in the Bible God says, you trust me and I'll bless you. And I'll pour out my blessings upon you. You won't have any room to receive it. Now, notice something. He said, bring it, don't send it. Bring it with you, the whole tithe. Why did he say the whole tithe? I think he said the whole tithe because God knew because he's a God that knows everything, the beginning and the end. He probably knew there was going to be some preacher on TV that was going to say, if you can't tithe, you just start where you are. And if you can't give 10% right now, you can give 5%, and you graduate up to 5 to 6% next year and 7%. That's not what this book says. It don't say start where you are. It said bring the whole tithe the 10%. And you might can say in your mind, and this is what's going through some of your minds right now, I can't afford to tithe. Listen to me. You can't afford not to. You can't afford not to. you got to figure out a way to do it, and I'm going to teach you how in a session after lunch, how to get out of debt. And how to live on less so that you can afford to tithe and do what God would have you to do. And bring it in the storehouse. God said, bring it into my house so that there'll be food in my house. There'll be finances to do the work that I want done in my house. And test me and see if I won't do and pour out a blessing on you. That you won't have room enough to contain it. I wonder if there's somebody here this morning 
that's so excited about giving, they can't wait. You know, y'all take the offering at the end of the service, don't you, Brother Mike? They can't wait. Say, man, I, I can't wait till the end of the service. I got to give something now. I can't wait till we get to the end of the service. I got to give right now. You got to do it now? Man. Look at there. Did you know he had this kind of money on him? His wife's looking at him like, look at that. Towel, right? He just handed me a $100 bill. His wife's looking at him like, where did he get that from? Cash. She didn't know he had that. He might be like me. My wife gives me an allowance, you know, because she knows how much I'll spend if she don't. You know how Tao got this $100 bill? I gave it to him at the beginning of the service. That's how he got it, okay? And I told him, I said, now when I get to a point in the service, I tell you that I want you to bring this $100 bill up here. Would you bring it up here to me? And he did. So we see that he's follows instructions real well. <laughs> now, why did he do that? Because I asked him to. Why was he so willing to give it back to me? Because he understood it wasn't his to begin with. You follow me? So when you understand that it wasn't yours to begin with, it doesn't bother you to give it. You get the point? So guess what? I'm going to put it back where it belongs. Okay? For now, toward my mission trip. Thank you, Jesus. And the reality of it is, what I'm trying to say to you folks is this. When you understand that none of this belongs to us anyhow, thank you, Tal, for helping me out. It don't bother you to give it. And what God's going to do over the next few weeks is help you to understand that when you give beyond what you think you can give, God's going to stretch you in such a way that you're going to say, I had never had an idea that I could do that. I was teaching on giving at Zion Baptist Church in Covington. I was the interim pastor there. And while I was doing the interim there, one of the deacons, the deacons came up to me and they said, Brother Larry, uh, one of the deacons' uh, daughters is going on a mission trip to Russia. I said, okay. And we want to take up a love offering for her to go to Russia. I said, great. How much does she need? $600. They had two wor worship services designed, pretty big-sized church. I said, okay, I said, this is what we're going to do. I said, I want you to come up right before we receive the offering, and I want you to give your testimony of what you'll be doing in Russia. Well, she knew sign language, and she's going to work with the deaf in Russia. And I said, I want you to go up, and I want you, when you get up there, to tell them very briefly what you're going to do in Russia at the early service, and then we're going to take up an offering. And so she got up there, and she gave her testimony. And I said, I want to be the first to give to this offering. And I reached in my pocket, and I got my bill filled out. And when I did, I turned, and I reached, and I thought, oh, my Lord. All I had was a $100 bill. Now, I thought to myself, 
I had just come to church that morning, Brother Mike, and the light on my truck just said then come on that said I was out of gas. And it went ding. Y'all ever had that happen? None of y'all run to that right to the moment on gas, do you? And I said, oh, ding, it went off. And my wife had just said, Larry, that $100 has got to last you from this time to this time. None of y'all's wives ever tell y'all that, guys, right? Y'all, y'all are men. Y'all, y'all don't have anybody tell you that. And, um, and it wasn't appropriate for me to make change out of the offering plate. And the offering had not been taken yet. And I said, I want to be the first to give. So I had to give my $100 bill. And I did. And we received the offering and they counted it up. And when they counted it up, we had over $700 given in the early morning worship. And I went back to her and I told the young lady, I said, we've got that money. And I told the deacons, I said, we received the offering. The offering is more than we needed, but we want to give these other people an opportunity to give at this second service. Surely there's something else that could be given toward the mission trip. And I said, what is another need? She said, well, they'd like to buy property over there because we'd like to build a building for this church. How much is property? $6,000. I said, okay. Let's ask God, and we prayed, and we circled up as a deacon body, and we prayed and asked God to give us $6,000. We did the same thing. I said, I'm going to, I want you to come up, give your testimony. She did, and I told the people, I said, hey, I'd like to tell you I'm going to give during this offering, but I gave everything I had in the morning worship service. All I had was a $100 bill, and I gave it. I don't have any more to give, but I want you to give sacrificially too. We received the offering. We got over $7,000. They bought the property. I was feeling pretty good about what God did. I'm on my way out. I mean, yeah, if I had skates, I could have skated out, full, off, out of the building. I'm going by the organist, and she's playing the postlude. You know, they're a little bit higher church than we are. And, and as she did, I don't have these these musicians can play with one hand and you know stop and wave at you with the other but that's what she did and she stopped me you know and I stopped beside the organ and when she finished she reached down for her purse and she said brother Larry God prompted my heart to give a hundred dollars this morning just like you did but he also told me to give you your one hundred dollars back there's my gas money. I can get back to the house now. And I was okay. What am I saying to you? God doesn't always do it that way, does he? But if you give, you can't outgive a holy God. Here's the promises, and this is the last thing and we'll close. There's three promises in the scripture. Verse number 10, I'll open up the floodgates of heaven. The floodgates are not full of money. The floodgates of heaven are full of God, His presence. I'll prevent the pestilence, verse number 11. God wants us to have material blessings. The promise is to enhance the fruit of our labors. Tithing is an act of obedience and worship. And then number 12, all the nations, verse number 12, evangelistic promise. All the nations are going to call you blessed. 
Tithing is an evangelist that tells others will recognize God's blessings on your life. Folks, the process still works. I just told you, personal illustrations, the process still works. We used to sing an old hymn in church when I was growing up, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Dad Solomon was a pastor in Mississippi, black preacher. Tells of a lady whose husband died. They were sharecroppers, meaning that they rented land and they worked on that land for somebody else. My granddaddy did that. And she had five small children that she was left to raise and she had to borrow money to bury her husband. And she told the preacher who went to her home after they had buried him. And he said, ma'am, I just don't know how in the world you're going to make it. You got these five kids, you don't have any way of making a living. And she said, I know exactly how I'm going to make it, preacher. I'm not worried about it. And she took and she picked up her chair. And she said, and she moved up under a window at her house. And she said, I'm going to move my chair and put it up under the windows of heaven and let God bless me. And she sent all five of her kids to college. Three of them became business owners because one faithful lady decided she was going to trust and obey God. What are you going to believe God for today? Are you going to trust Him? Are you going to obey Him? That three-by-five card, you still got it? Pull it out. Here's what I want you to do with it. On one side of that card, it's got lines. I want you to take a minute. Here's going to do a little homework. I want you to write on that card, what has God said to you this morning? Don't put your name on it. Just write on the card, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? What have you heard God say to you already? Now, don't get lazy on me and let somebody else do it, and you miss out on a blessing. So many times we hear stuff, but we don't write it down. We write something down. We process it. It has to go through our head and onto a piece of paper. So you write down, what has God said to you this morning. I'm going to give you a minute to do that. It's not an essay, just a couple of sentences. What's God said to you? We're going to take these cards up, so we're going to give them to your preacher. So if you're afraid the preacher's going to recognize your handwriting and you write right handed, write it with your left hand. I don't care, you know. But um, what's God saying to you? Because believe me, he's, he's speaking. When you're finished, just look up. We'll go to the next thing I want to ask you to do. Anybody need more time? You done? All right, turn the card over. On the other side of the card, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment. Not to me, not to the church, commitment to God. 
If you understood this morning for the very first time that you've been robbing God, you haven't been tithing. And you want to start being obedient and start tithing at your next paycheck. You can't do it today, but the next paycheck you get, you're going to trust God, you're going to tithe. I want you to put the letters on the back of that card, NT, meaning new tither. I'm going to start tithing my next paycheck. I'm going to make a commitment to God. God, I'm going to tithe my next paycheck. Letters N and the letter T. If you're already tithing, but you recognize today, you hadn't thought about this, I've never given God an offering. All I gave God was what God's already required. And I want to give God something of, of mine. Not just what He's got, but something that belonged to me. I want you to write the word plus on there. My next paycheck, I'm going to start giving, I'm going to be a plus giver. A tither plus an offering. Would you just take a minute and put an NT on there or a plus? Or maybe there's a plus sign, if you want to put a plus sign on there instead of the word plus. Would you do that right quick? And I'm going to ask, um, we're going to pray. I'm going to ask Caleb to come up and play something. Maybe that song he sang a moment ago would be perfect. And as God speaks to you, what I want to ask you to do, maybe these kneeling things are here. Maybe perhaps God speaks to you. I want you, if you filled out that card, you're really serious about it, bring that card and just put it right here on this altar. Would you do that? As God speaks, let's pray.